What matters most to us in times of consequence? Is it wealth? Is it prestige and power? Is it likes or favorites? To me, in my life, what I hope to center is that friendship, family, empathy, compassion, quirkiness, humor, and hope will win out even amidst the fray of this transient and turbulent life. My name is Rob Lee. I'm a pastor, a public theologian, and author working at the intersection of faith and public life. I want this podcast to be a place where I interview those people who are exemplifying what it means to exist with complete abandon in this life. I want to know more about how they view themselves, their craft, and the world in which they live so that we all can imitate them. Together, we can reteach the world its loveliness. I hope you'll join me. Oh, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. If you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Hey y'all, before I actually start the introduction proper, I wanted to mention to you that there are some spoilers in Jake's interview. Uh, I still encourage you to really listen to it. The spoilers aren't big or catastrophic or in the book in such a way that you would miss what he's trying to say. But I just wanted to make you aware, for those of you who are purists and want to read it for yourselves, that if you are going to listen to this interview, you are going to hear a spoiler or two uh, from the new book, All the Demons Are Here. That said, go buy the book read it, come listen to the podcast, or in any order of that, so that you can hear what's going on in this conversation. It's an important one, and you need to hear it. Anyway, here's our proper introduction to Beloved Journal. Hello, everybody. We are excited today on Beloved Journal to share our guest with you, though he needs no introduction. Uh, CNN anchor and chief Washington correspondent Jake Tapper is joining us on Beloved Journal today, and you will hear him in conversation with me in just a moment. Uh, Jake currently anchors an award-winning two-hour weekday program, The Lead with Jake Tapper on CNN, which debuted in March of 2013. He's hosted CNN's Sunday morning show, State of the Union, since June of 2015. In April 2021, he became the lead anchor for CNN for Washington, D.C. events, and in 2015 and 2020, He hosted presidential debates for both the Republican and Democratic parties. Prior to joining CNN, Tapper was senior White House correspondent for ABC News. He appeared regularly on Good Morning America, which is where I first saw him as a young kid growing up. It was with my parents, and it was just so interesting to be able to interview someone that I saw on TV when I was growing up. He's a graduate of Dartmouth College and has won multiple awards for his journalistic excellence. Uh, Today we talk about all things uh, from his newest book, All the Demons Are Here, which is a thriller and part of his series of fiction novels, to his hopes for this country and uh, the moral compass of media. 
So I hope that you might check all of these things out on this podcast, but especially his book, All the Demons Are Here. It was released earlier this week, and you can find it wherever books are sold. We'll also link it in the show notes so you can be sure to see it there. With that said, let's get into the interview uh, and hear our conversation with Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, thank you so much for coming on Beloved Journal. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So your new book that just came out this past week uh, is set in 1977. It's fabulous. I loved reading it. Thanks for sending me a copy. But some quick research on our end shows that you were under 10 years old in that year. Uh, Tell us about how, why and how you set the book in that timeline and then how you did research to get to where you had such detail and intricate woven moments that were 1970s just awe-inspiring moments when you yourself maybe not remembering so much about the 1970s. So I was eight in 1977 when this book took place. And in fact, so the first book I wrote um, about the martyr family, which are the stars of these of these books, took place in 1954. The second one was 1962. I actually, my first inclination was to skip the 70s just because my memory of the 70s, I mean, my childhood was great, but but my memory of that era was not particularly positive. Um, uh, I just remember gas lines and, um, you know, Elvis dying. And uh, I was cautioned by somebody who had been in their 20s in the 70s that I was I was giving them short shrift. So I started doing some research. And um, it turns out that 1977 was an incredibly bizarre and spectacular year in many ways. Um, First of all, one of the main protagonists in my book is uh, Evil Knievel, a real person from that era, who was this moody, charismatic motorcycle stuntman um, and and, uh, just a great character for me to play with. But beyond him, you have the death of Elvis. You have the son of Sam, serial killer, terrorizing New York. With that, you have the rise of tabloid journalism in New York, the New York Post. Uh, and Rupert Murdoch, uh, who owned the New York Post at the time, and obviously we still see his influence even greater today, and have all the drama and um, deviousness that comes with that. Uh, in addition, you have um, the uh, the disco, the rise of disco, and the opening of Studio 54, the celebrity discotheque. You have the New York City blackout, which was a huge story at the time. It's also an era where people are really disillusioned with the government, disillusioned with what their leaders are telling them because of um, the realizations of all the lies from Watergate and from the Vietnam War. Um, And then on top of that, you have Star Wars, Saturday Night Fever, and uh, you see people are seeing, claiming to have seen UFOs all over the country um, and joining cults all over the country. So it really was a resonant time uh, in terms of drama, it was a lot. There was a lot to play with. The ni- 1977 and how weird it was is almost like a character in the movie throwing hurdles at the at the main characters. But then also, there's so much resonance with the times we're living in today, both in terms of the tabloid, uh, the tabloid, the rise of tabloids, and all that. And uh, and also, I I choose to make Evil Knievel, who has some Trumpy qualities in terms of his salesmanship, his showmanship, his ability to get news attention, his ability to capture the imagination of millions of fans. Uh, And I decided to have him run for president in this book, uh, kind of as a lark, kind of as a stunt, 
but I, I thought um, maybe it'd be it'd be fun to to play with today by playing with yesterday. Well, and that's exactly what you do. I mean, there's some real resonances, right, between Max Lyons, this this larger than life tabloid uh, uh, magnate who 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 bears an uncanny resemblance <laughs> uh, to someone that we are dealing with in the modern era, and that kind of fascinated me too. This whole, you know. We're, we're, we're playing with these characters who are back in the day, if you will, but it's almost like same stuff, different day um, yeah. in, in some of the stuff that you write about. So that led me to the question, how do you reckon with all this? You've written this amazing book um, of fiction, but some of it is real. And, and you're on the front lines as a CNN anchor dealing with uh, combating misinformation. How did you yeah. see those two play in tension with one another? Well, I, you know, I, I, um, you're 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 right uh, that Max Lyon, who is the so my main characters are Ike and Lucy. They're the kids of the main characters from the first two books, uh, Charlie and Margaret. Charlie and Margaret are in this book, but um, Ike and Lucy are are the stars. Ike is a disillusioned uh, AWOL Marine. He's been involved in a in a disastrous military uh, event in Lebanon, and Lucy is this journalist in Washington D.C. who ends up joining. Uh, the tabloid, the fictitious Washington Sentinel run by Max Lyon, who is this very Rupert Murdoch-esque character. And in fact, um, some of the lines Max says to explain his view of journalism uh, are taken directly from things that that Rupert Murdoch has said. And I wanted to understand Rupert Murdoch in order to understand Max Lyon. I didn't want Max Lyon just to be a mustache-twirling caricature of a villain. I wanted him to be living and breathing and believable. And and why you know and I wanted to try to explain what well why tabloids what what why do we read them why do people read them why was this why was there a, a, a chasm that they were able to fill and that really helped me reckon with uh, a lot of what we're going through today in terms of a culture that is in many ways a victim to this kind of tabloid journalism because we have to reckon with the fact that it's not just Donald Trump that lied about the election. Uh, he had lots of supporters in politics, but also he had his own like supportive media organizations like Fox and, and Newsmax and others that were repeating things that we've seen in the Dominion lawsuit text messages that they knew to be false, but they also didn't want to lose viewers. Um, and so that mindset of only valuing sensationalism and clicks and ratings it's not something that look. I I definitely want to have good ratings on my new shows and and the like. But but you know I don't cover the civil war in Yemen because I think it's going to bring clicks or viewers. I mean like I I, I cover it because it's important. Um, in fact, to the contrary, it might actually hurt in ratings. But but journalism is not just about ratings and clicks. It's part of it, but it's not the focus of it. But that's not how it is for. Max Lyon, my fictitious character based on Murdoch. And I wanted, so I wanted to dive into it. I wanted to get into it. How do we, how do we end up with, I mean, I wrote this book before the Dominion lawsuit, but, but how do we, how do we end up with a $787.5 million settlement? Because Fox was so focused on sensationalism and lies uh, for viewers that they, that they were willing to do that. And, and that's what Lucy explores. She's covering a serial killer in Northern Virginia and Washington DC. And she's trying to be a factually accurate reporter 
and uh, and yet she's seeing what people do, her editors and the Lyon family, what they do to her journalism in order to sell papers. And that's it's part of the story. And it's also part of our reality. But I I I hope people I mean, that's the subtext of all of it. But but I mean, I, at, on, the, on top of it and my main priority was just having it be a good page turner and a thriller. Well, and it really is. I mean, I found myself like sitting there and being like, crap, I got to go do something. I need to keep reading this. It was really good, uh, Jake. That's the best uh, compliment but, I could get. Yeah, you. I mean, it was just like, I got to I gotta go pick up my kids, but I need to finish this chapter. But but, but let me push you on that a little bit. Is is that, is that an indictment on the state of, of journalism today? You know, my wife grew up as a, uh, she, she trained professionally as a journalist. And, and then I t- was telling some people about that with her. And we were just talking about t- interviewing you. And, and, and where's the moral compass for journalism today that that might you might be pointing to some truths in this book? I, I wonder, I, you know, I'm yeah, because you're right, because it's mouth. not just because it's not just about Murdoch. Right. I mean, right, it's right. not. It's a, like since 1977, we have seen in many ways the the tabloidization of media, of news media. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to get in the head of Murdoch and the head of so as to write Max Lyon, because the perception was, and to a degree still is, that other media organizations don't cover stories that the public is is, is interested in um, because they think they're better than their readers. And there's a line that Max Lyon says in the book that is a direct quote from Rupert Murdoch, which is something like, I know of no other business that presumes to give its consumers what they do not want. And um, uh, that that is a, a philosophy that I wanted to understand it. And I, and I do. I do understand it. I mean, The New York Times in 1977 was barely covering the son of Sam serial killer. There were, it was, you know, like a local crime story that they would bury in the metro section when obviously this was a story that was very important um, when you have a serial killer stalking innocent people in New York City. So th- there was a void there that was filled. But yes, I mean, this is not just about Murdoch and Fox and the New York Post. It's about all of us in the media. It's about what we do and how we balance wanting viewers or readers or listeners while also wanting to do work that is important and impactful. That is journalism. That is the reason we got into journalism. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's something we discuss and debate all the time. What is um what you know what should we lead with is not necessarily about what's the most important story it's also might be about what's the newest it also might be about uh what is something that might grab people like they, they might like change they might say oh this is interesting i didn't know this i hadn't heard anything about this and all of that is stuff that we discuss and debate and like i said i mean we want to exist we want to thrive we want to have viewers we want um to have readers we want people to to tune in to CNN or whomever but there is also other there are also other imperatives journalistic imperatives and um that's I think one of the the balancing acts that we do that maybe people at other organizations only focused on ratings do not do one of the questions I want to go back to your writing process here that I think is really important to me personally, like as, as some, I, like I've got a manuscript due tomorrow to my publisher. All that's to say I'm interviewing you, which is which is important to me, too. But that said, I was thinking as you were as I was reading this, I was like, gosh, this is good. Where the heck do you find the time? <laughs> 
to write such a great book. So with all your varied and important commitments, not only to CNN, but to your family and elsewhere, tell us about your writing process and getting this over the finish line in such a way that it came out as a really good book. So the way um, I write um, when I'm in a writing project is the first thing I do is um, I, you know, I dive into the, the substance of this. Like, so for fiction, it will be the era, uh, do a lot of research, read a lot of books, watch documentaries. For nonfiction, it would be diving into the story and like talking to players and this and that. And then uh, I do an outline. I do a pretty detailed outline. Not that detailed, but like, you know, it's all the steps of of what needs to be either covered or written about. And then I do the chapters one by one by one. And I allot myself at least 15 minutes a day, every day. Um, people say when, like, for instance, when. So during a school year, my wife takes our kids to school. She leaves the house at 735. I'm up. I've been up, you know, so I can spend time with the family. And, um, you know, from that, from 735 until 830, usually I'm writing um, about, you know, whatever project I'm writing on. That's, that's a good almost hour. And then at 830, I have my call with my team to talk about what's going to be on the show. And, but that's, you know, that's a chunk of time. And, you know, if you do it for at least 15 minutes a day, every day, that adds up. At the end of one week, that's an hour 45. That's a couple pages and it adds up. And usually it's more than 15 minutes. So, I mean, the, the, the two things I say to people when they ask me for writing advice is number one, writers write. That's what they do. They sit down and they write. And if it's bad, you can delete it the next day or you can rewrite it the next day. But writers write. That's the most important thing. I'm curious, um, you know, in my work as a pastor and as a public theologian, there's this famous uh, preacher named Eugene H. Peterson. He wrote The Message, which is a Bible in contemporary language. Um, he said that you preachers preach one sermon and uh, throughout their lives. That's the course of their writing is that they're they're saying the same thing over maybe a million different ways. I'm curious if you saw a character in that book that particularly resonated with you, Jake Tapper, um, the person when you were writing I'm curious who was there someone was it Lucy was it who who was there a character or was it just did you or was this just purely an act of fiction um that uh you know you were like I've got to tell this story and I want to tell it in such a way Lucy is the character that I identify with the most the young idealist or uh, the young idealistic journalist um you know Charlie is the dad he's an alcoholic World War II veteran and a politician Margaret is the mom she's the brilliant uh, zoologist and Ike is a you know an AWOL marine. Um, Lucy is the one with which with whom whom I identify with the most, and and I also have given her some of my more annoying traits just to 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 you know she's the one that corrects people's misuse of the word ironic. She's the one that foot her chapters are footnoted just in case people want more information. She's the smarty pants journalist, so um, that's the one who spoke to me the most. Um, but I also think that, um, I also think I have more of a moral center, uh, but maybe just cause I'm older than Lucy, because Lucy goes through the situation. She's worried about not being able to have a career if she quits the Washington Sentinel. And, you know, she does things or, um, lives through things that I don't think I would have allowed, but, um, you know, look, I mean, one of the things about this book is that the, the, uh, sub this style versus substance debate is one that we all have in our lives for everything. And having to make compromises to do your job or live your life is something that we all 
experience. And so those those dilemmas are ones that I think everybody can identify with. But Lucy definitely is my is the character that I am most like. In fairness, in my notes, I, I guessed Lucy just to just to, <laughs> I, I, I kinda, believe you. I, I saw I some resonances there. Yeah, well, respect, we, you know me course. a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Jake, listen, I love your work on CNN. I love uh, I've been on your show a few times, but also um, I, I'm going to show my age here a little bit. I grew up watching you uh, before school with my mom and dad on your previous network. Uh, oh, when I, I was on Good Morning America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've continued to watch you since and enjoy watching you. Uh, one of the things that I think about is that this this nation seems like we're at a moment, uh, 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 an inflection point, uh, uh, and a big one at that. And I'm not asking you to weigh in on outcomes of presidential elections or anything like that. I want to respect your journalistic integrity. But I'm curious of your broad hopes for our country um, I'm curious how we can turn or begin as we begin this new presidential election cycle, how we can how we can be better. How can we can make this democracy a more perfect union? And that can be either from your personal standpoint or from a media standpoint or both. But I'm just curious, how do we get past this where we are now? Well, I think that we need to stop demonizing each other as 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 groups of people and start looking at each other as individuals. Michael Medved um, said something to me. He shared something with me one time about this Jewish philosophy called Don Lakoff, Don Lakoff Zichud, which means it basically means giving people the benefit of the doubt. And it's not necessarily something that you give to people who have exceeded their, 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 uh, their uses of your benefit of the doubt. I mean, there are people obviously who are, People, you can you don't have to give them the benefit of the doubt, but as a general, as a general rule, in social media or in our lives, if you see something that strikes you the wrong way or rubs you the wrong way, um, it's I think it's a good philosophy just to say, well, is it possible that I'm reading this in a more negative way than was intended? Um, is it possible that I'm jumping to a conclusion about this person and assuming the worst in them when when maybe you know I shouldn't be? I think that's. Uh, that that when Michael Medved shared that with me, that that opened my eyes about something. And then another philosophy that opened my eyes was one time I was on Alan Alda's podcast, and he was talking about how his his emails and his philosophy of emails is like to try to understand, try to figure out where the other person is, you know, before he sends them the email, not physically, but where they are, what they're going through, where you know, and that's something that. I definitely don't do when I'm sending emails like I'm, you know, I'm banging out as quickly as I can. And like it's it might be in all caps because I'm in my script file and I'm writing in all caps and people think I'm yelling at them when I'm not. I just didn't take the moment to turn off caps lock. And so those two things, uh, I think, uh, uh, are philosophies that have that have opened my eyes from wiser, older men. And, um, you know, I think we can I think we can get there, I, you know, uh, but but we, I think as a nation, we we need to. Um, stop just assuming the worst about people um and and try to meet them where they are and if we did that a little bit more maybe we'd be in a better place do you have hope for this country i do i do i have a lot of hope for this country i mean i also have a lot of worries about this country too um uh specifically because of of you know what we've been going through when it comes to lies when it goes we've going to what we've been going through when it comes to um, trying to overturn elections based on those lies that really that the, the, that democratic part of this 
um, small D democratic democracy part of this really worries me um, because um, it's an American, it's the American experiment, right? It's not the American proven theorem. Like we're seeing if this works and, and uh, it only works if we, you know, abide by certain standards and norms. And one of them being facts and truth are important and, you know, just making a wild claim that doesn't bear the scrutiny of a, a court of law, you know, that that's important that, you know, well, there actually is no evidence of that charge. That's that's important. And um, so I am I, I do feel I do feel uh, optimistic, but with with some caveats and, you know, the the, the lesson of these books um all three of them, but definitely uh, all the demons are here. The, the newest one is at the end of the day, um, what's most important is that you're together with your family and that you're together with you, the people that you love and whatever else that's wild that's going on out there. Like the family unit is the most important thing. We ask everyone who comes on this podcast one final question before we let you tell us where we can get your book and all that great stuff and get in touch with you. Um, I'm curious uh, who do you appreciate and would like to give a shout out to you? Oh, that's a great, um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, my wife, it's a cliched answer, I assume, but, you know, she sometimes like I'll go on the road for three days to promote the book or go on the road for two weeks to Ukraine to cover the war or what. And I, I leave and I come home and the kids have been fed and loved and the house is the same and she's not resentful. And I couldn't live the life I live without her. The um, Because my my family is everything to me, but my my work does require me to, to, to leave them on occasion. And um, so... I, I couldn't do any of it without her. And, you know, the, the, our spouses, um, I think, probably are the ones that we probably take for granted the most because, you know, we're giving stuff to them, too. It's not like they're only, you know, they're only giving and not taking, too. But I really couldn't do it without her. And then just, uh, uh, you know, it's just always so great coming home. Again, that coming home theme coming to the top, right? Yeah. So, um so where can people find the book? I know it's pretty much everywhere, but tell us about that and tell us where we can. Well, find I mean, it it's, it, you know, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It should be at your local bookstore. Um, and, uh, you know, when you post this podcast, I will go on Twitter and I will post a bunch of links right under it. Uh, so people can um, people can click and get it from their favorite place. And it will uh, be in the so show notes, too. So don't worry there. So we'll make okay. sure you, we, we have it properly. But listen, uh, Jake, I, I want to tell you, um, uh, for the record, so it's on record, you have made a difference in journalism. Uh, I know it's easy to hear the trolls. I know it's easy to hear uh, the naysayers and the tweets, because sometimes I get them too, probably to a much lesser degree. Uh, but your ability to show up for people and to tell the story, uh, for me, has been inspiring and inspired me to tell my own story in such a way that is true and trustworthy and faithful to who I am. Uh, I have enjoyed watching your career, um, you know, from, from my earliest days of watching news television to now. 
And I'm excited to see the next chapter, the next book, everything else. So you've got a friend here. You've got a friend with Beloved Journal. And we're so thankful that you came on the podcast. That means so much to me. Thank you so much, Rob. Beloved Journal is a podcast on a mission. Check out our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast was hosted by the Reverend Rob Lee. Find him on Twitter at Rob Lee 4 or on Instagram at Rev Rob Lee. You can find our social media on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Beloved Journal and finding our logo. Beloved Journal's theme music is a cover of the Golden Girls theme song done by Mipson. Seriously, they're the best band in the world. This podcast was the dream of Stephanie Lee and was produced by Maggie the Golden Doodle and Frank the Poodle. Go show the world that it's worth fighting for. And as always, thanks for listening.